What's good, boys and girls? Fins Up Podcast brought to you on this Wednesday. It's the 20th of September. We're still podcasting even though the Sharks are no longer playing football. Uh, it's really hot as well, so I hope everyone's staying nice and hydrated uh, during this time. I'm your host, uh, Terry Mortimer, and I'm joined, as always, by my handsome colleague, Mr. Dan Nichols. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Mate, doing tremendously. Thank you so much. Uh, loving the heat, but hoping it goes away. So how about yourself? No, I'm, I'm also loving this heat uh, as I'm going on holidays next week, and I want to do nothing but sit in a pool. Uh, and yeah, well, lay in the sun. Sucks to be now, you, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, a very uh, special podcast tonight uh, called This or That. I haven't told you what it's about yet, and I won't at the moment because despite my best efforts of not wanting to do this, we are going to do it. We're going to talk about the Canal Sharks Monster Portal medal and everything that happened on the night. Uh, Blake Rowley was named the Monty Porter medalist and congratulations to him. It was the wrong decision. If you are a Sharks fan and you watched this season and you thought Blake Rowley was our best player, you are wrong and Fitzgibbon is wrong. People have turned around and said, oh, yeah, well, the coach Peter. Just bear in mind this award means fuck all since 2013 when Todd Carney nearly won the M and we gave the award to Michael Gordon, who was the ninth best fullback of the season and probably our 11th best player on the year. That's all I'm going to say about it. Don't really care. On you now, Dan. Well, fair enough. Now, those who weren't privy to our conversation, which hopefully was everyone, um, didn't know how hard I had to convince Terry to talk about this. He didn't want to for obvious reasons, but... Um, we are men of the people, so of course we're going to just touch on it quickly. Yeah, look, Blake Bradley did not deserve the award, and I couldn't believe that anyone thought he could. He did. So, uh, look, Nico Hines had 30 try assists, and Britt Nicaro was the second best second row in the competition. So there's two players just quietly, I would add, Jesse Ramian, uh, Jack Williams, probably about three or four other players too before you even start thinking about Blake Bradley. So hated it. Cameron McInnes. Cam McInnes, well, he's another obvious one. Hated it. Over on the ladies' side, Tiana Penatani got it. Didn't even think she was our best yeah. centre this year. I thought Anessa Biddle absolutely bodied her. Like, Anessa Biddle is one of the raging hot favourites to win Rookie of the Year. Ellie Johnson scored the most tries by a forward in the competition's history, and yet because we convinced Tiana Penatani to break her contract to Parramatta and sign a huge deal with us on the basis that she didn't want to, we've got to give her an award that she doesn't deserve. Yeah, now look, so, I don't... Yeah, I don't... Quincy Dodd. Uh, Tanagato. Yeah, look, they butchered this, but uh, look, the player's player was Will Kennedy, which I thought was a great shout, as you said. No, he wasn't. The player's player was Blake Brown. Sorry, I meant the the fans, rather, um, which we, you said a couple weeks ago, he was so far clear he couldn't be caught. Uh, And our rookie of the year was Tom Hazelson, which was also good. So they got two out of four correct. But uh, look, Mate, I didn't even the know it was on. on. The girls was Ellie Johnston, and the rookie of the year was Anissa Bertle. So well, there you two go. out of three. They got, they got most of them right, except the two that count. But I didn't even know it was on, mate. Where were our invites? And they didn't even tweet about it to the next day. So, yeah, not as prestigious. Yeah, that, that there suggests to you that they've gone up to the social media person and said, you know what, we're going to cop a little bit of heat for this. We didn't even realise it was going to get the medal. But, you know, wait till someone does something stupid and then just, just drop an announcement. So... <laughs> Well, there we go. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad I brought that up, Terry. And, and you know what? They waited for the perfect time as well because they waited for Brian Fletcher's comments to come out about Brisbane 
not being able to play in Brisbane and crying, oh, yeah, by the way, Blake Braley got player of the year. Yeah, let's see you later. But, uh, yeah, yeah, mate, <laughs> how how we're not celebrating either Nico Hines or Britton Nicara and Ellie goddamn motherfucking Johnston right now is beyond me, but whatever. Whatever. Right. So, now that we've got the negativity out of the way, let's talk about this podcast we're going to do here. It is called This or That. And what is going to happen is I'm going to hit you with two scenarios. So, 10, there's, there's 10, oh, sorry, 11 seconds. I had to get, a, I had to get a, an 11 point in. There's 11 sections to this. Mm-hmm. And in each section, you'll get two scenarios. And you have to pick what's more likely to happen next year. Is it going to be this or is it going to be that? Sign me up. I'm looking forward to this. And before we go, Terry, I just want to do a little bit of a victory dance about the girls, but we'll save that for later. Okay. So, number one. Number one. Nico Hines is going to bounce back and be named the Dallium Player of the Year. Or, so that's this. Mm -hmm. Or he will make the Team of the Year only. That's that. The second one, because I, you're definitely that. Now, not to, I think Nico will be our best player again next year, quite considerably. I think you'll have a Haas partner that will change after six to eight weeks, just between us. Uh, I think Cronulla will have a better year, on, and it will be Nico Hines, but I think they are just itching for a chance to give Nathan Cleary the medal, and I think if he's fit and plays enough games, he wins it whether he deserves it or not. I know he's a halfback, but Nico can get in at six. They can, they can pull a fast one. I just think that there are other forces at work, and I hope to dear God that someone steps up and takes points away from Nico Hines next year because he cannot do it all himself. That for me. Now, I think I agree with you, and I'm going for that. I'm going for that, that he makes the team of the year only. Now, I think you're right in the fact that they'll pull a fast because I don't believe he's going to be named with the number seven on his jersey to start the year. I think Braden Trindle will be given the number seven jersey and he'll be given the number six jersey. Now, this is going to tie into another question later, so that's all I'm going to say. So we're going with that. We're both going with that. We're not going with this, we're going with that. That, please. Mm -hmm. All right. Number two, this or that. Cronulla will make the top four, this, or they will miss the top eight completely, that. What's more likely to happen? This. I think we were probably only two or three games away, and I'm talking shit losses this year, away from. I think the squad improves after another off-season. I think we dipped, and I don't think Melbourne can keep it up. I know I've said that 25 years in a row. I think they dropped down. I don't think the Warriors can finish top four, so that gives us two spots. I think Brisbane, Penrith, and Nail on again next year. This for mine, I just think there are too many shit sides to drop out of the eight. I'm going to go with that. We're more likely to miss the eight because I think the last couple of years, the everyone's been crying about how hard our how easy our draw's been. And I, I honestly think that someone somewhere is going to go to the people who do our draw and go, stuff these guys over. So I think we're more likely to miss the eight than make the top four next year. Number three. And this is where it ties into the Nico Hines one. 
Braden Trindle is nominated for five eighth of the year, so that's this, or he's dropped by around ten. That. What are you going for? That because I think there is a number six who is tailor made for this Nico Hines combination that, by the sorry. name of Cade Dykes. I agree with you. I think that Nico Hines is going to start the year at number six, right? And if results don't go our way by the time that Cade Dykes is fit and firing in Newtown, they're going to scapegoat Braden Trindle and they will promote Cade Dykes. And what's going to annoy me the most about that is not the fact that we're dropping Trindle or promoting Dykes, is the fact that we'll do it so early in the season when by round six this year we were begging for Matt Moylan to be shot into the sun. So I'm going with that as well. So that's three that's for me. Yes. Now, I just want to spend a moment on Cade Dykes because a lot of people will know the name and would have seen it and scream, oh, but he can only play fullback. I think his best moments for Newtown were at six last year when we won the minor premiership because Lockie Miller was playing fullback for the majority of the year. Now, Dykes did go back. They did swap a few times, but Dykes played majority number six next to Braden Trindle. So, look, there's that possibility if Nico does get injured or does play Origin, which obviously I hope neither of those things happen selfishly. But I think Kate Dykes, you know, I would never say an injury is a good thing, but he looks like he weighs probably 10 to 12 kilos more now than he did pre-injury, and that's because he's done nothing but eat and lift weights. He looks a million dollars. Now, I think he will trim down once he starts training again. It looks like he's running. I don't know how long it will take for him to... He's been running. He's been running for a while now. The, the thing with the, with an ACL injury these days with sports science is, you know, you're run, you're running a lot quicker, but it's generally just straight line. It's not side to side stuff. So he's been he's been running for a while now, and his Instagram stories are really impressive, especially when he takes his shirt off. So yeah, he's he he's looks really feature. good. Uh, yeah, I I, th- I think that he's more likely or not to come into the side a lot earlier if we are not performing and if we've dropped a few games. Like if come round eight we're on the fringe of the top eight, I think you I think Trindle will be dropped and, and he'll come Especially with um a certain utility being linked to every other club in the world and there may be a spot for utility on the bench. And I just think this kid has got so much talent. Now I, I want Trindle given every opportunity so I thought he was a lot better than people give him credit for. And his kicking game is far, far, far superior to what Dykes has shown thus far. So Dykes is going to need, so I don't want people to get too excited and say, oh, you said this, you said that. It's going to take Dykes six to eight weeks to get back into it properly for Newtown, and I want to see him dominate that competition before yeah. it comes up. But, mate, I, I am I am a big K. I, Dykes fan. I don't, I don't remember a lot of K. Dykes' kicking game. However, just remember he was the 5-8th of the year in the New South Wales Cup team of the year. And a lot of people who I've been speaking to about that, because I, I just remember he was – that he was a really, really good runner and a good sport player. But he kicked a couple of 40-20s that year and he was forcing some dropouts. So um, I don't think he's got a better kicking game than Braden Trindle, but he's also got time on his side. So, But mm. I, I, I definitely think we're more likely to see Trindle drop than him being nominated for 5-8th of the year. Okay. Number four, Dan. Jesse Colquhoun becomes a regular bench player. So that's this. Or that... Proves he isn't up to first grade and he's going to be a Jets player forever. This, very much this. I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of Jess Calhoun yet, so I don't think he's been given an, uh, a great opportunity. We saw him late last year come in with a few few uh, pretty good games, some cameos. This year we saw him play you know, against Penrith, I believe, and he, 
you know, eight, it was 70 some minutes, 77 minutes or something to light, and he was not overawed. He wasn't in our bottom few players. I thought he really shored up that edge that had, you know, lots and lots of problems, which is why he was there. But that was, that was against Manly. He was suspended against Penrith. That Man- was the, the way Graham That's it. Manly, rather. So I, I think he did really well. So, yeah, look, I, I ultimately think he's a middle rather than a, a wide-running second rower. Given the depth, maybe he does transition at least part-time. But I think this guy has... Uh, Look, I love Tom Hazelton, but I think Calhoun's a better footballer. I think Hazelton is a lot further along in his development. He's a lot bigger, but I think Calhoun's our long-term number 13. Yeah, I think he gets a bench spot because you cannot convince me that you can look at Royce Hunt and Oregon Kafusi and go, you're both better than Jesse Calhoun because they ain't. I'm going to go with this. Uh, Jesse Calhoun becomes a regular bench player, and I think that's going to be his peak for a couple of years, and I don't think that's a bad thing because if you have a look at Jack Williams right now, we tried and tried and tried to thrust him into the number 13, and we just went, you know what? You better come off the bench. I think you're right in the fact that we've got a lot of really, really average forwards, right? So, And we've got three forwards that are exactly the same in Royce Hunt, Braden Hunt, Newelli, and Oregon Kafusi. In fact, they're all big and scary looking and they're pussies. And then we've got two front rowers that are exactly the same, Toby Rudolph and Tom Hazleton, that are just straight up and down, meat and potatoes, hard-running front rowers. Now, obviously, Tom Hazelton is more illustrious tri-scorer than Tobias Rudolph. I think you've got Colquhoun who's somewhere in the middle, right? He's up and down, but he's also a huge post-contact meter reader. And I think that that, you know, just just another off-season with us, and he had some big game experience this year. He did play in some big matches, and he got a finals game under his belt as well. And he got more NRL minutes under his belt. I think he is going to push himself. And it may not be, it may not be around one now. Obviously, we're, we're hearing that Brad Hamlin-Newell has got an injury and could be out and in doubt for the first couple of weeks. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if, again, he just bides his time, goes with some really, really good performances for Newtown, and our forwards get injured, suspended, or just drop out of form. And this guy comes in there. And I think like Tom Hazelton, once he gets his opportunity early next year, he won't let anyone down. So I'm going for this. I, I agree. I think Dale Finucane is only a game or two away from an injury. And I think Colquhoun's the next one up. Yeah. Number five. This, Will Kennedy takes another leap and is mentioned for origin. Or that, he declines and falls back to New South Wales Cup. <sighs> That, because there's no way he's getting mentioned for Origin because it's Dylan Edwards' spot, only because of that. I think Kennedy will continue to rise, but I think it's more likely he plays New South Wales Cup than gets mentioned for New South Wales because more of what's available for New South Wales at fullback than any talent or lack I, of. I'm going to go with this because I, th- I just think Will Kennedy is amazing, right? And I, I think that... The trajectory that he has can push himself. Like J- James Tedesco should not be mentioned next year. Tom Dravojevic should not be mentioned next year. And Latrell Mitchell's name should only be brought up if you're playing in the centres, which probably leaves two fullbacks at the moment who are your clear cut, light and day, ahead of everyone else being Dylan Edwards and then Scott Drinkwater. Clint Gutherson. When it comes time, huh? And the King, Clint Gutherson. No, no, no. no. I, he, too old now. He's too limited. He's too slow. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Will Kennedy will be the third name. They always turn around and go, oh, it's a shootout between Edwards and 
drink water, but the smoky is Will Kennedy, and I think that's how you're going to hear his name on there. He was so close this year to breaking his own try-scoring record. He had more try-assists than ever. He had more running metres than ever. I think he's going to he's going to say I'm not going to, I'm not saying he's going to be one of the best three fullbacks in the competition because you've got two really good Queensland fullbacks and you got two brilliant uh, you got a brilliant New Zealand cool, fullback yeah. in chance of a good star. I'm just saying that Kennedy is going to take a leap and be mentioned in a breath somewhere around an Origin camp. I definitely think he goes up again next year. We've seen it. His off-season last year was ginormous. I just don't think we'll ever hear his name come up when Origin discussion. As long as Dylan oh, Edwards... Dylan is in the Origin discussion this year. Yeah, but, mate, Dylan Edwards has been... It's his spot, and there, there ain't no one getting it. Uh, number six, this. With no external recruits, this team, we have locked in Noini Harodi and Jaden Beryl. And I hear that Beryl's actually got a two-year deal, not a one-year deal. Uh, with no external recruits, uh, the team locks in, buys into Craig Fitzgibbon, and we see a top-five defensive unit, or that, and we are exposed again, and we are a bottom-eight defensive unit. That. We don't have the forwards. It's just plain and simple. And anyone who thinks that this team can win a comp is fucking kidding themselves. There'll be improvements this year because I think you will start seeing players that should get time, get time. Um, and I think... Oh, look, I, I don't think we'll go in with the exact same squad. I think we'll pick up a couple of nuffs from other teams because I expect to see two or three punted sooner rather than later. Or let go, I should say. Um, mate, I just... You cannot convince me that Dale Finucane's going to play 20 games next year. We just... We don't have... Blake Braley is just isn't up to it up the middle defensively. I know he makes a lot of tackles, but you people have to look at how many post-contact metres this guy gives up. I think it's 10 times what everyone else does combined, just as a guess. Yes, he gets a tackle, but if you get dragged 15 metres and bring him down, you get the tackle, but you've also given away 15 post-contact metres. Anyways, save that rant for another time. I We can. We can be high up there. I think with Moylan gone, I think that left side stops becoming such an obvious thing. So maybe I'm leaning more to... I just, I just can't see it, mate. I just think Ronaldo runs in too much. I don't buy Sifatalakai at centre. I don't... Finucane can't stay fit. We don't have the bench forwards. I've just... No, we needed two big men. We failed miserably. It's it's a that for mine. I want to go with this, and I'll give you the, the base of the reason why. We were a top seven defensive team this year. Say that out loud. For how gross we were, we were the seventh best defensive team out of 17. So there was 10 worse than us, and I believe there are still 10 worse than us next year. I also believe that there's a lot of room for improvement because you said, as you said, no Matt Moylan, right? And that's a big one. Have a look at our biggest losses of the year. They all come with Moylan in the team. Right? The games that we got battered and barreled, save face for Penrith 28-0. The other games that we played where we got flogged, you had Matt Moylan in there. Mm-hmm. Right? I think you're going to see the last of Sifatalakai because Kaylero is edging for a release. So you're either bringing him in or you're pushing Ronaldo for Sam Stone Street. Pushing Ronaldo in the centre. So mm-hmm. I think we can get better, and I think there's going to be a lot of buying. Now, as you said, we we had 
laugh all you want at this, but Toby Rudolph missed round five to round 18, and he was one of the top props in terms of tackle percentage before he went down. You had Dale Finucane injured. We had too much pressure on Cam McInnes when he went down. And it took Jack Williams a little while to run into the season, and it took us too long to bring Tom Hazleton in. Add to the fact that I think Jesse Collins is going to absolutely beast people. And the end of the season that Royce Hunt had, I believe that we can become a top five defensive team. It's just how much give do you take from your attack into your defense? And that's something that we can talk about in a podcast for a later day. I'm going with this. I hope you're right, mate. I really, really do. I just... Uh, your t- seventh best defensive shocks me. I thought we would have been the tenth at, at best. Number seven, Dale Finucane recaptures his early twenty twenty form. That or <laughs> that is he's moved into the Wade Graham role. Oh, I don't think they can do that because there's too much money. More of that, I don't. I think Dale's shot. I think they need to to. Transition him into a bench, prop, utility, whatever. Not utility, middle, whatever. I don't care where he plays. As long as he only plays 28, 32 minutes. <sighs> More this, I suppose. I think he's he's not going to be Wade Graham. We're paying him like 700k next year. They're not going to use him like that. It's just not possible. So I'm going to go this by default, and I hope that it does because when Dale signed for us, we were stoked. His first season before he got that real bad injury and like was just absolutely gornskis in the semi-final against South was fantastic and he shored up the middle defense. I pray he comes back in a reduced role and does he didn't that again. He missed a tackle for like eight weeks. Yeah, mate, he was fantastic. Then he got injured and he's never never got it back because he plays too many minutes. He's doing too many hit-ups. He's about 75 years old. Uh, look, this by default, I, I think he's closer to that than the way Graham role. Yeah, I, I think... Again, in terms of shoring up our defensive unit, you've got to start Cam McInnes. Now, these guys, if you have a look at the, the minutes they play, they both sort of play, when they're both in the team, they both sort of play around about that 55 to 60 minute mark. And Dalfinu can spend some time at prop. I'm starting Cam McInnes. I'm giving the captaincy to Nico Hines. And I'm telling Dalfinu that that mad run that you do, you're going to save it because you're going to do it from the bench. And you're going to run on, and you're just going to hammer someone. And then you're going to run back off. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go, on that basis, I'm going to go that. And we're moving, we're slowly transitioning him into the Wade Graham role of you're on the bench because you're a senior figure, but if we have to drop you for a game, we'll drop you for a game. I would, I would like to see that happen. I hope you're right. But I would also like him to see him go back to his 2020 form. So either or. Uh, number eight, this or that. Braden hamlin Newelli finally has a consistent year, becoming our enforcer that we are praying for. Or he falls even further off his cliff and declines and he isn't re-signed by the club. That, unfortunately, 100%. He's had how many years now? And he shows signs and he plays three weeks where he's a top five or ten prop in the game and then the next week he's uh, he's bog averaged or injured and I don't hold the injuries against him. A lot of them were contact injuries. But again, he's going to miss the entire off-season and potentially a month next year. You can't have an enforcer who's always injured. The best availability, Terry, 
The best ability is availability. He's never there. He cannot do it. No, he's Gornski's. Put his money elsewhere. He's two games away from 100 games at Cronulla, and he's been with us since 2018, and I think he, he didn't really break into the team until the end of the season. I I want Braden Hamlin-Newelli to become our Moses Leota, mm. but I look at him now. He's going to be 29 in January, and he hasn't become what we want him to be. Uh, it's that for mine. I think we will move on past Braden Hamlin-Newelli. Yeah, if he plays like he did this year, then yeah, we should definitely move on for a actual number one. Mate, I like the guy. I think he's a fantastic dude on and off the field. I want him to be our enforcer. Just can't see it. Number nine, this or that. Blake Braley uses his 2023 campaign that was apparently really good to springboard himself as a top-tier number nine, or he continues to coast and be an also-ran. That. This or that. That. I don't think it's even close. The guy has been a superstar in the making since he was like, what, in the womb? And he, it just it hasn't happened yet, and I'm, I'm sick of waiting. I'm glad. I'm annoyed we re-signed Jaden Beryl because what's the point? But I'm glad because I want to see him given a chance. I just, it's just it's not going to happen, Terry. And I'm sick of hearing people. Oh, he's got this and that and blah blah blah. He's got nothing. He's like forty now. The bloke cannot do it. And I will not eat these words. Quote me on it. I will not eat these words. He sucks. Now this is the surprising thing for mine. He's only twenty-three. How is that possible? He's like Matt Moylan. He just doesn't get older. He's only 23, and he's 24 in three days' time. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. He's 24 now. He'll be 25 in three days' time. Still young. So I I just... You, you, see, you see these glimpses of potential with Blake, right? You... And I call him a flat track bully and a downhill skier, and he's the epitome of our team, right? If he's running, we're running. If he's shit, we're shit. So you could argue that he's our most important player because we generally play like he does. He's just got to look at it now and go, and this, this is this is legitimately it. He's got to look at it now and go, Appy Corrissau is 32, 33 years old next season. Damien Cook's entering in his 30s, and... In no world should Reese Robson be better than Blake Bray. In no world whatsoever, right? I just don't think he cares enough to realise how good he could be and that he could play State of Origin, right? Here's an interesting point for you. Who do you think had more kicks this year? Britt Nicker or Blake Brayley? I know you want me to say Brayley. He did. He did have more kicks than Britt Nicker this year. Do you know how by, by how many? It should be 20, but I'll go six. One. Yeah, see, that's not... That cannot be Nick your thing. Nicker had eight kicks this year. Blake Braley had nine. No, that shouldn't happen. Now, don't get me wrong. Nicker kicking eight, eight is fine. Yeah. Forced one dropout, zero 40-20s, zero 40-20 attempts, from what I can remember. So... Like, there is just so much more from him than we can have, and we know there is, because we've seen 
you know, his third game of his career against the North Queensland Cowboys, he kicked 40-20 score try, played 77 minutes with his brother dead on the sideline. I want more from him, but like you, I'm going to go with that. And I think he's just going to continue to coast and be, oh, yeah, you know, I'll go into the Origin camp and pass the balls off the ground and dumb Sharks fans will think that I'm close to an Origin gig when I'm not really. He's just going to be an all-star for the rest of his career. Yeah, mate, I'm sick of hearing that how well he defends. Everyone tackles. It's more than half the game. You don't play Origin because you tackle good, unless you're Nathan Hindmarsh. But, like, the guy has just... I can think of three games that he played exceptionally well this year. The only one that counted of any note was the Roosters game the first time. But, mate, I go back to it. If you can't decipher that your million-dollar halfback is calling a six-on-three and you pass to a third-string fullback... You're not a footballer, you're a fucking idiot, and I want him away from my club. I will not eat these words, Terry. I dare someone to screen cap this and bring it up in 12 months when we're talking the exact same shit. He ain't it. I don't know who is. It better be Sam Healy and it better be quick because I'm not putting up with this prick for another five years. And no, I will not let it go. Six on three, Terry, for fuck's sake. Now, Sam Healy doesn't even have a contract for next year. I think he'll be a development player. I think he'll be on the dev deal as well. Six on right. three, Terry. What the fuck? And don't think I will let this go because I'm still going on about Chad Townsend. That happened about 15 years ago. Six on three. Uh, number 10, this or that. Cronulla have three representatives in State of Origin next year. Or they're snubbed again at the selection table. This or that. That Nico is 50-50. Ramian's too far down now. Put him out. Ronaldo can't play Origin. Too many Samoans in the back row. Jack Williams won't play. That. I can't think of three that will play Origin. I I was struggling on this one as well. Uh, I think, you know, if someone like Liam Martin can get a gig, then someone like Jack Williams can get a gig. Uh, Teague Wilton as well, but I think injury hampered him. Um... Cam McInnes as well would be another one. Nico Hines, absolutely. I want to believe my boy, Will Kennedy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's obviously it's that. We're going to get stumped at the table because Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai will start the season on fire, but we'll forget how bad they are at origin. Mm-hmm. Finally, Dan, this or that, number 11, Britton Nicara will take the next step and continue to enforce himself as one of the more dominant back rowers in the competition or this season was a contract season to prove that he had it and he's going to go back to his 2021 form this or that this i think he came in like a house on fire found a an easy way to the trial line running off sean johnson and got lethargic got lazy and one-dimensional now that Johnson's gone, he had to go out and work on his game. Last year, you and I were on and off him, depending on which week it was, to the point where if the Tigers were going to offer him 800k, I was happy to see him go. Now, I think, well, I put him as my second best back row in the competition this season. You can probably talk me down to three or four, but you cannot get me past fourth place. I think this guy's going to go kaboom off a big off season. He's going to play for the Kiwis. He's going to play with his mate, Johnson. He's going to come back. He and Nico Hines are going to work all off season on their combinations both in attack and defense because let's not forget his defense he 92 percent 
tackle completion, which was better than any. It was better than Fafita. It was better than Liam Martin. Better than the Bryce Cartwright. There was Colin Matangi, uh, Kowatu, better than them all. He made 18 line breaks. I think Liam Martin made four. So this is a bloke who has it in him. Playing outside Nico Hines, mate, if he doesn't take that next step, it'll be a huge injustice. I think this guy is going to be our second best player next season. I am firmly on the Nicara train, so get ready to watch him have a bad season, Justin or me. I think the sky's the limit. I think he takes that step, and we're, in 12 months we're talking about him as either our player of the year or runner-up. Uh, I am going to be a Debbie Downer. Don't do it, Terry. History will show that for every good season Britain Nicara has, there are three poor ones to follow. And I am going to go with that and say that Britain Nicara will be back to his horrific form. Boo, I hate that. I don't see how that's possible outside the wet-haired prince of the Shire. Hmm. I would I would like to think that it is not possible, but I just think it's highly probable. I don't want him to, but I think it's more likely that he is going to regress in form than he is going to progress. No, fair enough. I hope you're very, very I, nice. Because, as you said, I still think he's very one-dimensional. He's a one-trick pony. Hmm. Yeah, he started taking some, some hard carries outside, but, uh, like, you know, to get us out of our own end. But he doesn't do it all the time. So, you know, he's he's one of those players that when we don't have the ball, you miss him because he ain't doing much. Whereas when, you know, we're attacking and we're playing the shit teams and we're trying to score a million tries... He's trying to score a million tries. He's trying to run off Sean Johnson to score a million tries. So, I've uh, got Sean Johnson to go on. So, yeah, I think it's more likely to have a regression than a progression. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of this Final is lots one. of that, mate. Huh? Lots of this is lots of that. I like it. Final one, then. Final mm-hmm. one. Hear me. This or that. Craig Fitzgibbon will finally become ruthless. And get rid of people that he doesn't need to have around him anymore. And we'll hit the recruitment market hard for 2025. Or he will continue to believe in his methods and his structures that he currently has at the moment. And it'll just be more of the same. This or that. What do you got for me? This. Now, this probably contradicts a lot of what I've said in the past, but I've had a big, long, extensive research fueled think about it. I think we're fucked next year for salary cap. And I think there's a reason he rushed to re-sign players because he thought, I'm not going to get anyone of this quality for this money. And I think he knew that Nico Hines was going to be on double what he was on this year. And I know at the end of this year, Dale Finucane, or the end of next year, sorry, Finucane's contract becomes very club-friendly. Matt Moylan will be gone. And a lot of players are off contract. You know, your Toby Rudolph, your Braden Hammond, the early. So there's a lot of room to move. I think he'll use the off-season to say, okay, obviously I need to target this, this, and this. You try Cade Dykes, if he doesn't work, you go after a 5-8. You know, you try, you try Jess Colin if he doesn't work out or he's not ready yet, you bring Stone Street in. So I think we've got, I think, I want to believe that it's going to be this. And I, I do believe. Now, he did come in with a, I like what I have in the squad and this is the squad. That would have been good if he had come in two years later because there's players that, you know, Stone Street, Dykes, Colquhoun especially, 
an era, hopefully, if he stays, that can win a title or show potential that they can be part of a title-winning team, but not yet. So I'm hoping, I, th- I think we'll sign one big name player next year to compliment. I don't know where it'll be. I have a feeling it'll be in the centres because I do think Eero will be moved on. I think we'll see Talakai not do it. And I think we'll go out and sign a star centre. This for mine. Yeah, look, I, a few things on there. When he was signed, he turned around and said that I really like what I've got. I like the players. I like the junior players. I like the pathways, etc. I, I agree with what he said there. You have to say it. You have to say that. You had to say that. It couldn't be like Shane Funding. Like, imagine, you know, the difference. Like, people turn around and go, what about Flano, though? He's turning around and saying, oh, he's going to gut the club and 10 people to go. They're fucking second last. Right? I know, I know when Fitzgibbon signed with us, we weren't second or we weren't sixth, but we finished ninth. There's a big fucking difference there, right? And he was bringing in a class player for it. So you had to say that. And I think he's right. I think he's right in saying because you and I both said from the very first podcast that 2025 was the season that our premiership window opened. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and you can quote that on the Fitzgibbon podcast that you and I did when he first signed because I went back and listened to it today and we both said that our, our premiership window opens in 2025 because cap space becomes open. Now, someone sent me a DM today asking me about players and signings and everything and I said, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're top 34. Oh, but if we get rid of Dale Finucane and we get rid of Matt Moylan, we've got a million dollars to spend next year. Mm, okay. But you also have to counter into 2025 when Dale Finucane isn't on $700,000. He's only on $300,000. So you're not playing with $700,000 over two seasons. Okay? You're not playing with that. So you can... If you go and sign someone for $700,000, if you get rid of Dale Finucane this year... And you sign someone seven hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars over the cap next year, providing that everyone resigns is like for like, right? And it's not just as easy as that because if you go and get rid of Dale Fanuke, chances are you're paying a chunk of his contract. Yep. I don't want to get rid of Dale Fanuke on the simple basis that yes, I know he's expensive, but he's still a class player, and in twenty twenty five, he's got the Wade Graham role, and he's on half the value, right? Matt Moylan is a different one. I think he's on about three four hundred grand next year. And you've got that to completely play with. But again, right, is it better than ever, you know, with Matt Moylan for one year and $400,000 or you get rid of Matt Moylan and then you've got to go and try and get someone out of their contract? So what do you do? What do you do? Now, there are a lot of players in 2025 coming off contracts that will make us better. Now, they won't be great names, but... There was a snippet in the Daily Telegraph to say, today that said on November 1, we're going to have a chat with Khalees Haas. Okay, perfect. Different kind of player to what we've got. We're happy for that. Cam Kalamatangi. I didn't realise that he was coming off contract as well, but he's a player that, you know, I love Teague Wilton. I really, really love Teague Wilton, but I love Teague Wilton coming off the bench if we've got Cam Kalamatangi. Hmm. So I, I want to... And, and it's not, it's not just the... It's not just the players as well, but it's the people around him, the people he surrounds himself with. Um, I I don't like either of our assistant coaches, right? Um, I would probably be more on the side of keeping Stephen Price, but Stephen Price is our defensive coach. Mm. So, I mean... You don't really want to do a blow-up rebuild, and we don't really need to do a blow-up rebuild because we've got the makings of a top-four squad there, and we've seen it. We've been second, right? Um, 
I'm, I'm going to go with this, and I think that he's. We started seeing a little bit of a ruthless streak towards him in, in dropping players, and he, remember he did drop away Graham during the year, and he did drop out Moylan. So I think we're going to start seeing that ruthlessness, but the ruthlessness now needs to be, hey Siffer, no, back to the bench you go, earn your spot on the bench though because we got some pretty handy forwards, Kale. You got six weeks before we move Ronaldo and Sam goes in to the team. So I think he just needs to start making those decisions there. Like get us younger, but get us more enthusiastic, and then we'll be better off for it. I think. I think the moment that it's so important this year that our most improved person in the club is Craig Fitzgibbon. Yeah, I agree. And it's and let's not forget this is a bloke who was rookie coach last year, obviously. And yeah. is a set as a second year coach, some things didn't go wrong, uh, didn't go right, and of course it took him time to adjust, as with all rookie coaches, you know. So I think year three you start seeing what you've really got in terms of both player and coach. I think more more so coach because it'll be his third off season at the club, and if he hasn't learnt from last year's lessons, then you're in trouble. Now obviously the club believe in him because they've re-signed him for another so and so years on big money. I definitely think we're an assistant coach short of where we need to be. And again, I go back to the bench use. But again, if you give Siv Talakai on the bench, that gives you a couple more options because you don't have to just swap your, four, your, your middles. You can go wide, you can shift, etc., etc. We'll save that for another day. we got heaps planned, 1 to 17s, stuff and stuff. But man, he, has, he has to sign. And, and if we are going to let Carlero go, and God, there's nothing good that comes from that, we're going to have to find someone that can play left centre because it's not going to be kind of Tracy. So, yeah, definitely we're in the recruitment market. Look more for November 1 and look more for your Nafu Whites, your Ty- Terrell Mays, that kind of player. Then if Tom Dearden says, Oi, I need an out, then you go looking at him. I don't think that's where we'll be aiming though. So this for mine, let's hope. But, uh, mate, there's, there's a coach who's come up. After you sacked just this week, potential assistant David who is Fern- that? David Ferner, who has a pretty good track record. Yeah, I, the the thing the thing with mine for David Ferner is he's not a he's not a, he's not a head coach, right? It's straight up and down, and I know he was the defensive coach at the Tigers. Um, ah. They were a mess. But he was a – they're a joke of a club, but he was in and around the club of Canberra when they went on their run in 2019. I think he was involved in the club as well in 2016 as well when they should have got to a grand final as well. Look, it freshens us up. It freshens us up. It gets rid of one of Hannay or Price or if we want to throw a little bit of money around and we turn around and say, you know what, we need so much more help in defence that we've got another defensive coach in to the team. Like, many hands make light work. Um, but I, I definitely think that we need, like, we can go and score as many points as we want because we've got Nico, we've got Will Kennedy, we've got Braden Trindle's boot, we've got great edge running back rows, and we've got fantastic wingers. But if we can't tackle... So, yeah, look, Dave Furner's a pretty good shout. I'll give you that one. No. I like David Furner. Thank you, mate. Yeah, it just, just came to me out of nowhere. But um, look, just before we wrap up real quick, uh, we didn't get time to mention it on Outlaws this week because we actually recorded before the girls' game went live, um, had some other stuff on. And I'm glad we did because it would have just been me sitting there going, no, 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 I told you so. 
Now, before people jump in and go, oh, it was only the Eels that Cronulla beat 56 points to 6 or whatever it was. Yeah, 56-6, 50 point win. Every team in the competition had a chance to put 50 on Parramatta this year, Terry. And how many of them did? Just one, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. I believe, despite what the latter will tell you, that we were the best of the rest. We spanked Canberra. Now, they did finish above us because if we hold on against the Titans, we finish, we finish fifth. That's where I think we played this year. I think we were the fifth best team. We were better than Canberra. We smashed them. We, we finished Matt, well. For, for mine, you look, you look at the Tigers game. Like That was just an absolute piss take, that game. The Titans game. Um, and I think, was it the... Broncos, where we lost by four points, but we finished like a house on fire and Taylor Townsend didn't pass the ball. Yeah, yeah we had him. So, I, 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 I fully believe that we should have been fourth. I think six is a disservice. Um, <laughs> we're better than Canberra and we were, we're fucking better than the Titans, man. <laughs> we were. Now, the big pissing me off because I don't like Titans fans. Yeah, they're completely fair, both of them. They do suck. Now, we, now, um, 56 the... points to six. Yep. Most points ever scored in an NRLW game. Mm-hmm. First to 50. Highest winning, yeah, first to 50. Uh, highest winning margin. Mm-hmm. Most points in the game by Taylor Townsend. Mm-hmm. And if we're given Anise Biddle one more run, she would have had the most running metres in the game. Yeah, she was she was ridiculous. And Ellie Johnson had the play of the season. Those that haven't seen, I believe it was our last try. Where there, was, yeah, there was a shocking ball. Now, a woman with the all due respect of her size, and she is a... Props, prop, put it that way. She, fuck, she's fantastic. I love her so much. She was by far our best player this this season. She took a take that no one should have been able to take running at that speed, at that size. And then threw the fucking Harbour Bridge cutout pass to hit, I think it was the winger, Ravix, yep. on the yep. chest. And she just strolls over and scores. And you heard in commentary, Alana Ferguson went, oh, my God. And in the background, you heard, oh, my God, where she's obviously put the thing down, feeling herself screaming. You should have heard what I fucking said in my bloody lounge room, Terry. It was, oh, my fucking God, Ellie goddamn Johnson. What a ball. What a win. I'm so glad they deserved that. The girls played so much better than the results will show. Yeah, okay, we were absolutely pounded by the top three teams. Everybody was. We could have got the Broncos. Other than that, mate, I'm supremely proud of them. I'm so glad they went out. And I was so happy that Taylor Townsend just listened to our podcast last week and went, fuck you, boys, and went out and kicked them from fucking everywhere. What a game. Yeah, I just want to say this. I think I'm in love with Ellie Johnson. Mate, get in line. She, and I'll tell you what, when we signed Holly Wheeler, I was like, low-key, oh, this rules. That woman is a machine. When they say running from the back fence, she jumps the fence and gets into row three or four and runs from there. She should not be able to play this game. She's just too fucking good. And with another off-season under their belts, this side will tear in next year. I like the move of Dimmick into the front row. I like Tarley Holmes. Mm-hmm. I really like what Holly Wheeler brought to us when she was back. I think Anessa Biddle is absolutely fantastic and needs to be re-signed. Uh, I think we're a little bit done on the wings. Um, you know, probably, I think, although that Ravica Ravik or whatever her name was, she was really good. Andy Robinson is injured, don't forget. Yeah, yeah, and that's Kate Dykes' partner, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. She's what a she started, couple She started the year pretty well. She, I was really disappointed with Takarangi this year. Yeah, she, she had really a big fight. But it did allow Cassie Staples to come in. I thought she was very good. And yeah. she's a rugby convert. So, so with another season... 
I, th- I think this is the uh, the building block of a phenomenal season next year. But that's it, Dan. This or that was spectacular. I'm on holidays next week, so there will be no fins up. Uh, Unless something massive breaks and I have to cover it. Yeah. But no, I'm taking a week off. No, yeah. And then uh, we will get into the reviews and then we've got the big podcast with Sam Shinazi and TK. Uh, but until then, Dan, I'll see you grand final week. You're guilty. And hail my favourite player, Brooke Anderson. Ellie Johnson. And Ellie Johnson, yeah, they're all great.